Hello, my name is Philip Miriton, and today we are going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Meriton. This show is about the end of the world or more precisely, its lack of an ending. According to a host of soothsayers, prophets, prognosticators, and crystal ball gazers, the world should have ended several times by now, but apparently it, it hasn't. Each doomsday predicted, from ancient civilizations to Heaven's Gate in the 1990s, to the giant black hole that was supposed to be created by the Large Hadron Collider, that big accelerator in France has been proven wrong. But it seems like every few years brings us another end of the world prediction. We have more books, more revelations, and more failed predictions. One example of this fascination with the end of the world is the amazing uh, series of books called the Left Behind books. There have been over 65 million books sold in that series, which is the Christian science fiction account, multi-volume, multi-series of the rapture, which we'll get into a little bit today. And then in one short month, we will have another doomsday. And this is the fourth world age in the Mayan calendar, ending on December 21st, 2012. One book I have on this subject states on the back cover that the Maya discovered that the periodic alignment of the sun with the center of the Milky Way galaxy is the formative influence on human evolution. These alignments define a series of world ages. The fourth age ends on December 21st, 2012, when a large chapter in human history will come to an end. So on December 21st, 2012, one short month from now, according to the Mayan calendar, something significant will happen. Maybe the world will end, maybe they will just change calendars we will soon find out now joining me today for a discussion on this fascinating topic is independent researcher Justin Deering who has just written a new book entitled the end of the world delusion how's doomsayers in danger society welcome to the show Justin hey thank you so much for having me Philip okay well it's well it's great having you and as I mentioned just before we started there's not a lot of books out there that sort of compile all of the end-of-the-world predictions, catastrophes, failed predictions, and it's, I think your book does fill a niche. But the, the prediction that is front and center right now for us is the Mayan calendar, and I, I noted that there's something like a hundred different books um, on this topic, and I, there's probably more than that if you, really, if, if you really got into it. But what is going to happen on December 21st, 2012, according to your research? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. You know, there really have been many, many different end-of-the-world predictions over the years. Uh, some of them are religious, some of them are scientific, but the one that concerns us the most right now is the Mayan calendar. So that's the big question. What is supposed to happen once we reach December 21st? Uh, according to my research, and I've looked at what the ancient Mayans themselves uh, were saying, 
nothing is supposed to happen. There's not supposed to be an end of the world. There's not supposed to be some shift in human consciousness. Uh, there is no major thing happening. It's just another end of period of time on a calendar. That's all it is. Uh, in fact, archaeologists who are trying to synchronize the Mayan calendar with our own are in disagreement about whether December 21st is really the big day. Uh, some have said that the calendar's already ended sometime in October of 2011. There are others who say that it might not end for another couple hundred years yet. So no one even really knows when the Mayan calendar ends, if December 21st is the big day or not. But one thing that we can rest assured that nothing spectacular or earth-shattering is going to happen on December 21st. It's going to be just a normal day. Well, I'm sure that there's uh, a lot of people out there who are very happy to hear that. And, and I think that one of the points that you raise in your book, which is, a, I think, a, a very good observation, is that when we attribute uh, these end-of-the-world predictions to ancient civilizations, such as the Mayans, we're really saying that somehow they were smarter than we are, and somehow they possess this, this secret truth that has evaded modern culture and modern science, that the, that the Mayans thousands of years ago knew that on December 21st, 2012, the world would end. And it all sort of doesn't fit together that well. And I, I think that in your, in your book, you, you, you point that out. And I guess part of this is what, what do you attribute to public's fascination? Let's, and, and let's just focus on the Mayan calendar for a moment. I mean, there's hundreds of books on the topic, and, and, and I, I, I'm sure millions of books on 2012 have been sold. Why do you think the public is so fascinated with this topic about the end of the world? Well, I think right now, there's really two parts to your question. Why is the public fascinated with the end of the world, and why are we fascinated with Mayan civilization? Right, right now, we're fascinated with Mayan civilization simply because they have a calendar that ends within our lifetime. If they had a calendar that was supposed to end in the year 3000, let's say, right. nobody would really care right now. Right. We only care because there's a possibility of the world ending, and that is what people want to hear. Uh, the media always likes to ramp up these end-of-the-world stories, and right now they've got one. They've got one because the Mayan calendar ends, and so this is what people want to hear. And uh, there's a lot of people who are just ready to gobble up this this type of information. This fear-mongering works. Yeah, and 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 one of the things that comes across to me is that is that predictions of the end of the world tend tend to be wrapped in metaphor, and and there's there seems to be in my mind, I would categorize them into three into three groups. One would be a real end of the world where the planet Earth explodes, such as through a nuclear war or or the sun burning out or something like that. Then there is then there is sort of a partial end of the world where there is a catastrophe but then there's survivors. And there's as you point out in your book and, and we know that in, in Hollywood there's all sorts of movies on this topic, such as the road and Eli's coming, a bunch of them, where there's sort of an end of the world, but there's not really an end of the world because there's a civilization uh, still surviving, still survivors, like the Mad Max movies is another example. And then there is sort of this other kind of end of the world, which is more religious, where the current world ends, and then and then some other world happens, some better world, or, or like whether it's the second coming of Jesus Christ, or some kind of consciousness uh, elevation where, where we have a, a different kind of a world. 
what what are your thoughts on on these on these different categories? Well, uh, you know, it's it's funny that you bring that up because traditionally, when people talk about these doomsday claims, they separate them into just two categories. There's the literal end of the world, and then there's the end of the world as we know it, where there's some type of a major change where everything is completely different from how it is now. Um, but I don't really put a lot of stock into either one of those types of claims, especially concerning December 21st. What I've noticed in my research is, as far as the role of metaphors in these end-of-the-world predictions, right. uh, are that a, a prediction is made and, and a date is called, and then after the date comes and goes, and it looks like it's a big nothing, then the person who called it says, well, actually, it was just a metaphor. The most recent example of something like that would be Harold Camping's prediction, May 21st, 2011, was supposed to be Judgment Day. It was supposed to be the rapture. People were supposed to be saved and ascend directly to heaven. Once May 21st came and went, he said, well, you couldn't tell from Earth, but that was a spiritual Judgment Day. That was a metaphor for Judgment Day. God did really um, judge everybody, and you just can't tell yet, but you will soon. Right, right, which is sort of cheating. Which, uh, if you're going to give, if you're going to give a prediction, that that I don't think that counts as a prediction. I I, I just saw um, in in uh, on the internet where where it says that uh, Harold Camping, who you talk a lot about in your in your book, is giving up predicting things, um, and and maybe he's after failing so many times with predicting the end of the world, he's finally thrown the towel in. But it's one of these things where. It's pretty clear that most people don't want the world to end. Balance off with that, though, is this constant attention to people that predict the end of the world. You you point out in your book that this is not necessarily a good thing, and that and that it really it really is as sort of a scare tactic and uh, costs people a lot of money. There's there's suicides. What can we do about these these people that are out there giving these wild predictions about end of the world happening? Well, you're absolutely right about the harm that these guys do. Um, you know, Harold Camping raised millions of dollars for Family Radio, while his followers, the ones who believed in what he was saying, they lost everything. Uh, in some cases, they just lost their life savings. In other cases, some people actually lost their very lives. So what can we actually do about this? What can we do to, to fight against it? Well, one thing I'm doing is I'm putting out my book to let people know, listen, there's nothing to worry about. Don't go spending your life savings. Don't think about committing. There's absolutely nothing to worry about. I believe that education is the answer. And I think that the only way to fight uh, what, what people like Harold Camping or what some other doomsayers, uh, you know, the 2012 crowd are doing, is to, to combat their misinformation with actual information. Uh, YouTube is a great source for misinformation. There are constant claims that NASA says the world's going to end. And if you actually look at NASA's website, it's not going to end. They come out and say it themselves. Yeah. Uh, so the best thing to do is just, you know, go to NASA's website or go to, to these books that have logic and facts and reason and give people the truth. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm always amazed at how many failed predictions there's been of, of the second coming. And I don't know if you actually added them up, but I, but I know your book goes through quite a few. I mean, there, there must be what, 10 to 20? I mean, uh, there's a lot of folks that throughout the ages that have predicted when Jesus Christ is coming back, and, they, and they've, all been, they've, they've all been off. And, of course, you have to believe he's going to come back to begin with. But, but uh, what, what, what are your thoughts about the rapture and that, that whole line of, of uh, thinking? 
You know, the rapture is really an interesting one. There are people who've been predicting the rapture for hundreds of years now, like you've said. And um, there's researchers out there, biblical scholars, who make the case that the rapture isn't even talked about in the Bible, the, that the Bible can't even be used to support the idea of a rapture. Yeah. Of course, there are many more who, who do believe that the rapture is biblically sound, uh, but even among them, there's splits about whether it's going to be a, tree, uh, a pre-tribulation rapture or a post-tribulation rapture. In other words, is the rapture going to happen first and then everyone will be put through the tribulation, or are Christians going to have to go through the tribulation and then after they go through them, they'll be raptured? So even among people who believe this stuff, they can't really make sense of it, and there's no consensus on how all the details are supposed to work out. Well, well, let's talk about what the rapture is for those who who um, may not be following this. Why don't, why don't you talk a little bit about, about what the rapture is and about what exactly is supposed to happen? The idea of the rapture is that people who are saved are going, their souls are going to ascend directly to heaven, or sometimes they'll say their bodies will ascend directly to heaven. You'll see them floating up into the sky. Uh, in some scenarios, the dead will roll out of their graves, and you'll see tombstones open up, and the dead will float up directly into the sky. So the earth will be filled with, with millions and millions of people who are being caught up and going directly to heaven. And the rest of us will be left behind, will face God's judgment. God will either send us to hell or just kill us directly, and that'll be the end of it, depending on what you believe. And that's essentially the rapture doctrine. I did read the first Left Behind book, and I have to tell you that I, I without trying to offend anybody, I really thought it was sort of a horror kind of a story, because, because the notion that folks are going to be popping out of their graves is is really scary and 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 I I really I have a hard time taking it seriously okay I was born I was raised a Christian and obviously I've I'm not practicing anymore but but I just think that stories like that to think that people would believe sort sort of the science fiction accounts these horror accounts really really I think underscores your point that education and sort of uh, a a questioning mind is really the best anecdote to some of these sort of uh, sensational accounts of the end of the world. Because it's remarkable to me that people would actually believe. It's one thing to say that, that there is going to be a Messiah. I, I, that's a whole other issue. But to think that there's going to be some magical moment when people are going to be raised up into heaven, particularly out of their graves, to me is just, it's hard to believe that 65 million people or 65 million books were sold on this on this uh, topic so now let's talk about for a moment this issue about global warming which is another hot topic today and with the storms out in the east the sandy uh, hurricane and tropical storm every time there is something like this there is there, the topic of global warming starts becoming more front and center what has your research shown about the truth, if any, in the global warming issue? What's, what's really crazy about the global warming issue is that it actually started out as global cooling. Uh, the first Earth Day, we were together to try and convince members of Congress to do something about the global cooling problem. And then 10 years later or so, they, they decided to flip their position, and now it's global warming that they're all concerned about. Um, in my research, I've found out that, that people have been saying we only have 10 years left to do something about global warming, and they've been saying that for at least 20 years now. 
uh, it's it gets to be a little bit ridiculous. You know, if it was maybe five years ago or so, and I was putting this book out, I would be ridiculed by the scientific community for questioning global warming. But now it's becoming more and more acceptable to to say, hey, you know what? We're not believing this global warming stuff. We're not falling for it. First, it was global cooling. Now it's global warming. Uh, then they started to call it climate change. That way, no matter what happens, whether it gets warmer or cooler, it's the end of the world and it's man's fault for making it happen. Uh, I think that global warming and, and climate change and that whole thing is really just another end of the world delusion. Well, it's, you know, the topic of global warming, again, is a very is a very rich topic. Many folks in the media and elsewhere, first of all, they don't distinguish between man or human accelerated global warming and natural global warming. And it's really the human accelerated global warming that is is getting the attention of of the public. And that's really what the Al Gore uh, book and movie and Inconvenient Truth sort of started or ignited was was this concern that that the activity of humans, particularly the emission of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases, was accelerating global warming. That, to me, is a very, uh, very controversial topic. I'm not sure what side is correct or not. I think you're, cor- I, I think you're right in raising questions about it. But then there is the natural global warming, which is one of these things where, uh, you know, you say in your book, and, and many others have pointed out, that there are cycles throughout time. And it's hard for me to go from globe from human accelerated global to end of the world but but again the sensationalism of the media sometimes can't make make the distinction it seems as if it's a horror story then it's going to be in the media and 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 they're going to pick the most dire prediction and run with that that's absolutely right i mean there are actually people out there saying that there will be a little bit more global warming than there used to be um, the warming cycle that the Earth is going through is going to be a little bit accelerated thanks to human activity, but that's actually beneficial. Those people don't get a whole lot of attention. It's the ones who say that there will be floods and it'll be the end of civilization as we know it. Those are the ones who really get a lot of attention. Um, and of course, those types of claims are scientifically inaccurate. There was actually a, a paper published not long after Al Gore's movie was released. And uh, I forget how many reasons it was. I think it was maybe 36, 36 things wrong with an inconvenient truth. Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, the scientific community is not all in unison here that this is what's going to happen. And I think that we need to take a look back at, at the big picture, and we need to look at the broader history of everything. You know, first we were worried about global cooling. Now we're worried about global warming. What is it about us that makes us want to think that the end of the world is so near and that all these dire consequences are going to happen. Why can't we just look back and say, hey, it's really not a big deal if it is one degree warmer than it was a hundred years ago. In fact, maybe it's supposed to be one degree warmer than it was a hundred years ago. We don't really have uh, temperature data, you know, from thermometers going back hundreds and thousands of years. We only have iceberg data and tree ring data. It's just not the same. I think that you know you you put your finger on it, and it's it's sort of one of these things where there's a public fascination with this topic, but nobody really wants the world to end. And global warming is one of these quasi scientific issues, or maybe it should be a completely scientific question. But the, my my reason for putting quasi in front of it 
is that is that once it gets in the hands of the media, science sort of gets mashed together with politics a lot. Uh, as we saw in the Republican debates uh, last year, earlier this year, where it, where more and more it's becoming a political question. But the point is, is that it seems to me that when something is as important as end of the world scenarios, or even even you know threatened end of the world scenarios such as global warming, that it really it really is important for everybody to do their own research, to read, to to go to the credible uh, authors, researchers, try to find somebody who's independent, and look for yourself. And I have to tell you that in the topic of global warming, and many others, but this it's a good example. It's really hard to find. <laughs> the independent researchers. I mean, I, I, I don't know if, if you if you yourself, I mean, who have you used as your sources for finding the quote-unquote truth about global warming? I try and look at everything. Um, you know, that's impossible. Nobody can yeah. look at absolutely everything. Just like you said, there's 100 books written on 2012. Uh, there are hundreds of books written on global warming. But what I try to do is look at what the, uh, what the uh, uh, catastrophe side was saying 30 years ago. You know, I've, yeah. I've read books that were written in the 1970s worried about the global cooling crisis and then compared that to what they were saying today. To me, that's the best way to do the research just so that we can read it with a cooler head, so to speak. Um, what I also try to do is look at people who've changed their minds. Look at the scientists who've come out and said, yeah, we used to believe in global warming and now we don't. David Evans was, a, was an example of a climatologist in Australia. He said, you know, we, we really wanted to find a link between CO2 and global warming that would have made it great. It's just not there. We couldn't find it. Uh, James Lovelock is another one. He was a major influence on, on uh, global warming and the climate change movement. About two weeks or so before my book went to print, he came out and reversed his position and said, hey, we were too alarmist. Al Gore was alarmist. I was alarmist. Uh, we, we went way too far there. We really don't know what the climate's doing. Yeah. And I was actually able to give him a footnote in my book and say, okay, he's come out and he's seen the light, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. What I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, what I don't see is, is climate skeptics coming out and saying, hey, we were skeptical, but now we think that climate change is real. I don't see anybody being able to convince the skeptics. So to me, that's the big issue. People who used to believe in global warming and climate change are now saying, hey, we found some evidence that it's not the case anymore. But people who never thought it was the case, nobody can seem to convince them. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I'm also a lawyer on the side. I do environmental law. And I, it's interesting to me that it takes a catastrophe many in many instances for people to change their minds on it particularly on environmental issues if you if you go to the history of environmental laws most most of the laws were born in catastrophes such as love canal times beach and the bhopal um, toxic release in india that killed thousands of people and i don't know what's going to happen with global warming i do know that that air pollution is not a good thing and so to me, whether, whether global warming, human-accelerated global warming is true or not, air pollution is not a good thing. And, and, so, and so, I, so my own feeling about it is that I don't think we necessarily have to get the two confused because if there's no such thing as, as, as human-accelerated global warming, then it doesn't mean that we should pollute the heck out of the atmosphere. 
it, so so it really it really is a, a question that is complicated but when you get to the end of the world scenarios it really doesn't hang together and I think that's 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 one of the 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 good points you made in your book now 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 what got you interested in this topic well I think that the end of the world is a fascinating topic um, I've always been fascinated by it ever since I remember 1999 you know we were going into a new millennium we were going into the year 2000 people thought that was going to be the end of the world uh, a friend of mine he played a prank on some people as they were doing the countdown to the new year he uh, pulled the circuit breaker and shut that power down to their house everybody was freaking out yeah. Um, even even before that, I was I remember the internet was basically a new thing. I just gotten internet access. It was 1997. I went to the Heaven's Gate website. Heaven's Gate was a cult that believed there was a starship trailing Venus. Right. Um, no, I'm sorry, not trailing Venus. It was it was trailing uh, uh, the Halibop comet, and that they were going to the the aliens in the starship were going to come and rescue the human race because the comet was going to come and destroy the planet. The aliens were going to come and give us a new place to live. In order to be saved, you had to drink this uh, uh, flavor aid laced with poison, and your soul would board directly to the starship, and you'd be okay. So I've, I've always been fascinated by these kinds of people who think, wow, why, why do they believe that the end of the world is here? What is going on with them that makes them think this way? And if I can, if I can do something to try and show why the world... You know, maybe I'll save some lives, or maybe I'll stop some people from making a huge mistake, or or just help somebody out by stopping them from being scared all the time. Yeah, well, I think I think that that is I think that is a a, a benefit, and and to the extent that we could disabuse people of these crazy ideas, I think it's I think it's all good. Now, as you know, we're not going to stop people from coming up with unfounded opinions. Um, on the other hand. Uh, by putting out there something that is more objective and scientifically based like you've done, I think it, it helps sort of sober people up a little bit to say that, for example, Harold Camping has had quite a run of bad luck in, or bad guesses, and therefore if he was an odds maker in Las Vegas, I, I don't think many people would be listening to him by now. And, and let's face it, we don't want these people to be right. That's what's so ironic about this, and I think that's what makes this such a fascinating topic. We don't want these folks predicting the end of the world to be right. Now, and that's, this is why earlier I split the, this, the end of the world scenarios into, into the three categories, because maybe we do want one of the three to be right, which is the one where some, some new transformation of the world occurs. Now, and, there, and there's nothing wrong with that. Now, do you, do you rule that out as being sort of another kind of, of hoax, the, this, this concept that, that there, there might be some new world arising? Well, in a word, if you, yes, if you think that December 21st, 2012 is going to be the start of something magical, right. uh, like where we all vibrate and we get our frequencies in line with the universe, right. and that will just save the world, right. you know, it's nonsense. Right. On the other hand, are, is the world going to go through a bunch of changes? Are humans, and is human civilization going to go through a bunch of changes? No, absolutely. I mean, we're in the digital age now. Uh, before we were in the space age, things are always changing. I remember when the, uh, well, I don't remember. I remember reading about how the invention of the radio changed the, changed the country. You know, it instantly made neighbors of us all. You can imagine how the invention of the printing press changed everything. 
Um, in our age, we've actually seen how the Internet's come along and changed everything. So, yeah, there is always going to be changes and there's always going to be revolutions and things are always going to be made uh, better. Things are constantly improving. That's There's no doubt about that. But to say that December 21st is going to be the day that something magical happens, that's nonsense. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that that's, that's sort of the distinction I'm making is that, which is, it's one thing to sort of put your chips on the Mayan calendar and say, okay, well, these guys thousands of years ago really, really had a beeline to the truth, and they had this crystal ball. They were they were able to predict the the end of the world. It's it, that's that sounds to me to be very naive. But on the other hand, uh, there have been revolutions, scientific cultural revolutions throughout history, and there is no there is no doubt that at least in my own mind that that there are changes on the horizon but they're not going to happen by somebody predicting some spaceship from outer space or for some Mayan calendar it's going to be a natural evolution of, ma of, of mankind or science or spirituality or something and as you may or may not know one of the purposes of this show is to sort of break through some of the misperceptions of science and spirituality and to see what what is real and and to try to separate the wheat from the chaff sort of the hysteria from the facts having said that um, science itself has their doomsday scenarios as well right and, absolutely and, and, you can't and, just blame this on religion or single right. out religion <laughs> right uh, there are scientifically minded people who who fall for the same line right and and what would be some examples in your mind well, I think a really good example uh, was climate change. Uh, of course, we've already talked about that. Uh, but, you know, the UN, they just issued out a report or a statement stating that their next IPCC climate report will, quote unquote, scare the wits out of everyone. Uh, when is it science's goal to scare the wits out of everyone? Yeah. We should actually try and do things to make the world a better place, not worry people about this phony baloney hoaxes. Yeah. Uh, another one besides climate change would be uh, there was an astronomer by the name of Professor Porta. I actually talk about him a little bit in my book. He predicted that there would be an asteroid that would land in Mexico. Uh, this was, I want to say, years ago. And it didn't cause any end-of-the-world scenario the way he predicted. It just scared a lot of people to death and there were suicides. And that's the real problem with all these end-of-the-world scenarios, whether they're religion, whether they're scientific, uh, whatever their origin is. When you start scaring people to death and when you start scaring the wits out of everyone, like the UN is saying they want to do now, uh, you get suicides. And uh, you, you get them from religious movements, you get them from scientific movements, both the same. Yeah, I mean, last, last week we had, I, I had David Kahn on the show, who was one of the um, main investigators of the Jim Jones cult back in the 70s. I think he followed the Jim Jones cult for for decades. And, you know, Jim Jones, um, for those who don't remember, was the one that originated uh, that, that phrase about drinking the Kool-Aid in Guyana. And I think they, they uh, about 900 people, um, killed themselves because they were following the teachings of Jim Jones, and it becomes it becomes uh, very similar to what we're talking about here: is that the failure to question these quote unquote authority figures may may lead you astray, and it may lead you so far astray that you do something as 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 how can I short sighted as committing suicide. Now, 
with regard to all of these predictions, and your book covers, it's pretty thorough. You have a lot of different uh, accounts of predictions throughout history. Do any of these car carry any weight to you? Do, do you give any of these predictions of the end uh, any any credibility? You know, uh, it's like instinctively I want to say, well, the scientific community, they're on the right side here. Right. Um, but of course, time has proven that they're not. And I can't sit by and say, well, science is right. At least we can trust the scientists. It's all these end of the world predictions have a common psychology uh, with each other. And they're all equally wrong. And that's why I try and give each one its own uh, equal time in my book, so to speak. You were talking before about authority figures and people uh, having a blind allegiance to the authority figure. Uh, in my book, I talk about that. I talk about the Stanley Milgram experiments from the 1960s. You know, Milgram had this research, uh, well, he had this experiment set up where two test subjects would have to memorize a list of words, and the one test subject would deliver an electrical shock to the other in case he forgot the words. And the test was supposedly uh, to see what effect electricity has on the memory in the human body. And what the researcher would do was explain to the test subject, go ahead and give him an electrical shock. Go ahead and increase the dosage. Go ahead and give him another shock. The real experiment here was to see under what conditions we would listen to the authority figure and deliver an electrical shock. Now, it turns out that there was no electricity involved. Uh, it was merely an actor. He was playing a role. The real experiment was to see how much the test subject, the real test subject, would be willing to follow what the authority figure says and deliver a potentially lethal dose of electricity to an innocent victim. And it turns out that when an authority figure says something, a lot of people are willing to do and, and say things that go against their better judgment. And I think that that is, that is a point that cannot be overstated. And, that, and that's really what, what is the challenge, I think, of modern society is, is to take the time to question who we view as authority figures, as I always say, and this is this to me is the beauty of science, that if the authority figure is right, then whatever they're saying will stand up to questioning. It's when you accept their conclusions without even second-guessing them or, or questioning them or criticizing them or reading their, their sources that trouble could occur. It, it, it's, hap it's happening um, in the past. It's happened in the past with uh, the predictions uh, about the end of the world it's happened with cults and I hate and I have to say that it's going to be pretty interesting Justin to see what's ha what's going to happen on December 20th or that week leading up to December 21st whether we're going to have people uh, throwing themselves over cliffs or in the water or, or 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 lining up at stores buying you know survival kits I mean <laughs> What do you think is going to happen? Do you think it's just going to pass over? Or do you think it's going to create hysteria? Well, I would like it to just pass over. Uh, the problem is I think it is going to be a lot of hysteria. There's actually already been suicides over the December 21st, 2012 prediction, even though it's so far away. Um, there's a lot more as we get closer to it. Uh, there was a city in France that's worried that a bunch of people are going to come in and, and wanted to, wanting to be there in that particular city for some unknown reason, uh, but that city is supposed to be the place to be for the New Agers, and that's the place you want to be on December 21st, 2012. And there's probably going to be a lot of suicides on that date, both in that city and in other places around the world. Yeah, and I think that that really says a lot, or 
it's, yeah, it, it, it says a lot of not necessarily good things about about our modern culture, and it's and it's coincidental that it also aligns with the holiday season when people tend to be in their best moods, and so it it's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen um, at the end of this year. So um, I I'd like to thank you for your time, Justin, and I would like to tell um, folks out there that this book it's 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 good reading. It's not real long, and it's actually a good resource for uh, putting together the the different accounts of the end of the world. The name of the book is The End of the World Delusion, How Doomsayers Endanger Society. And Justin, why don't you just say a couple of things about how people could uh, learn more about your book and about what you're doing. Okay, well, um, if you would like to follow my blog, uh, you may do so at endofworldbook.authorsexpress.com. That's... Uh, a-U-T-H-O-R-S-X-P-R-E-S-S, -S, so endofworldbook.authorsexpress.com. Uh, that blog is sort of a continuation of my book. I'll be covering things that aren't discussed, such as uh, Hurricane Sandy and other recent events that have happened since the book was published. Uh, you, you can get the book at barnesandnoble.com. You can get it at amazon.com. Uh, the cover price is $24.95 for the hardcover, $9.99 for the ebook. And the paperback is 2012. 2012, which is which is a that's a that's a that was that was a good way to do it. There was a good way to price it. Well, I like to thank you for your time, and I I want to uh, I I don't normally do this this whole discussion about the end of the world. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this it reminds me of something called the Serenity Prayer which goes something like this. It goes, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So if the world's going to end by a collision with an asteroid or black hole, or if the sun's going to burn out, change size, and then melts the atmosphere, or if a real God becomes unhappy with his creation and decides to end this little experiment, there's not much we can do about it. But there, but there are certain things within our control in the broadest sense. And, and this, of course, is things like nuclear war and why, as quaint and 1960s as it might sound, peace and nuclear disarmament is really the best way to change the things we can and prevent a premature end of the world. And the question, of course, is whether we will have the courage to do that. And it's, this is one reason I want to do this, is that, indeed... There's, if the world's going to end, it's outside, our con outside of our control. We're just going to have to accept it. But we do have a responsibility for those things we can control. And it seems to me, Justin, that the, the number one uh, end-of-the-world scenario that is very real, that is, that is within our control in a broad sense, is nuclear warfare. And I would think that you would agree with me on that one. That that's probably the one that, that uh, is real. And, and I, I'm not really sure whether our politicians and do everything they can to deal with that very important topic. Well, you know, you see the world leaders, you see what's going on in North Korea, you look at what's going on in Iran, and you want to try and prevent these guys from getting nuclear weapons and from developing that technology. Um, on the other hand, I do know that people have been worried about the possibility of a nuclear bomb going off uh, ever since ever since the 1940s when the U.S. first launched uh, nukes against Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Right. Uh, so 
while I don't really think that the possibility of a nuclear war is that likely, um, I would have to agree with you that if it were to happen, that would be absolutely terrible. And, 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 and the reason I raise it is that, is that we, we could talk a lot about things we can't control, sort of sensational stories uh, such as Heaven's Gate and maybe the Y2K uh, uh, scare and, and, then, and the rapture. And, but we should be really focusing on ourselves on the things that we can control. And Justin, thank you for your time. It's, it's been a very educational discussion here. And I do recommend, uh, as I said, Justin's book, The End of the World Delusion. This is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Meriton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com. 